Hello and welcome to Mental Awakening, the podcast that explores all topics related to trauma recovery, mental health, chronic pain, and healing. I'm your host, Sarah DeKeely, and today we're going to talk about guilt and shame. I'll discuss the ins and outs of guilt and shame and offer listeners an insight into how it can um, influence the quality of our mental health and relationships. Before we get started uh, with today's podcast, I just want to let you guys know that I'm experiencing some minor technical issues with today's sound. It's going to go a little bit up and down, Um, so my apologies for any inconvenience caused. I hope it won't bother you too much, but there's very little I can do at this stage to fix the problem. So let's start with talking a little bit about shame. What is shame? Well, shame is an emotion. It's a very powerful emotion with an underlying belief that you are somehow flawed. So if we look at the typical TMS personality traits, people with chronic pain, the personality traits that they have in common often tend to be um, self-critical, hard workers, excessively hard workers, carrying deep-seated feelings of inferiority, stemming from this low self-esteem, a need to excel, not just to achieve, worrying a lot about what could go wrong, a difficulty saying no, perfectionistic tendencies and lack of boundaries. These are all a byproduct of shame. They're in one way or another connected to the emotion of shame, the need to hide the shame, to do anything but to feel the shame. The shame of not being good enough, the shame of not being perfect, the shame of being flawed somehow. No matter how much you try, of not being deserving, of not feeling worthy, not being acceptable or lovable. And it's something that's also incredibly well disguised. Often we don't really realize that we're carrying shame. Usually people who are high achievers with, you know, seemingly high self-esteem can be incredibly shame-bound. And it's a message that we have learned about ourselves often during our childhood years. So the foundation of shame is often laid during times of difficult challenges and traumatic events in childhood or lack of emotional availability, which I talked about in episode one of this podcast. Usually, if you come from a family background where you've been, in one way or another, controlled, punished, emotionally neglected or abandoned, verbally or physically abused, sexually abused, or where you go through any kind of trauma, these can all create deep feelings of shame. Shame can also creep in because of cultural norms and expectations. This is particularly important to bear in mind because often people think that trauma has to be this you know horrific thing that happens during childhood and yet they tend to undermine the effects of the fear that we are subjected to um, on a daily basis since childhood for example what will people say who will I be without external approval will speaking up affect me financially at work? Will my children be okay? Will I face emotional or physical harm if I speak my truth? Fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of loneliness, fear of unworthiness, and of emotional or physical abuse. 
there's a lot of these things that we tend to carry in the, in the unconscious part of our mind because we want to belong. We want to be seen as normal, whatever that means. And so we become conditioned to live with fear and to hide our imperfections, which is actually where our authentic self resides, you know, in our imperfections, in our truth, in who we really are, without necessarily playing some kind of a role or trying to live up to a certain expectation of who and what and how we need to be. As children, we're like sponges. We absorb everything our parents say. We absorb everything in our environment. And we're often unable to make sense of the events that happen to us or how people treat us. We kind of assume that whatever goes wrong, whatever happens, is because there's something wrong with us. That's what children do. They blame themselves, even if the event has nothing to do with them and nothing is really their fault. And so we grow up with these deep-seated beliefs, feeling and believing that deep within us, we're not good enough. We are bad. We're not worthy. There's something wrong with us. It's also something that can be intensely felt by people who've experienced psychological abandonment, which again is very similar to emotional abandonment. So psychological abandonment happens when Caregivers and parents don't necessarily provide an environment that's healthy. For example, when a child has to hide a part of themselves because there's a fear that they're not going to be accepted, like when boys don't cry because there's a fear that they're going to be perceived as weak, or when, let's say, you start to experience feelings of being attracted to the same sex and just kind of hiding that because you don't want your parents to find out or when you get sexually curious and there's a feeling of shame because that's actually not okay, not accepted or not even discussed in your household. So a lot of the different indicators of shame um, pretty much include us doing everything we can to not be exposed, not show our weakness, um, not necessarily have a voice, kind of covering up something or not wanting to be seen as someone who is dumb or foolish or vulnerable. It's pretty much like we try and do everything we can to hide the shame. That's pretty much what it comes down to. And this is what we bring into adulthood. And this is what ends up affecting and influencing our um, you know, relationship with ourselves and with the world around us. This shame identity that we develop is often due to the lack of nurture and emotional availability in our environment. So the neglect, the enmeshment, you know, lack of boundaries, particularly in families where there's been alcoholism or psychiatric disorders or cultural shame or immigration where you migrate from one country to another and you kind of have to settle in that country and yet your parents are still holding on to the same customs, traditions and expectations as their country of origin. I certainly resonate with this as my parents were migrants and they were going through a lot of stresses with regards to that and not only knowing who they are, there were so many issues going on between them and so I never really felt wanted as a child. 
And it wasn't because they didn't love me. I mean, everything they did was for us kids. But the way they would communicate to me made me feel unloved. Because it was authoritarian, because it was dismissive, because it was neglectful of my feelings. I also often felt humiliated because my mom would say things like, why are you saying that? Don't say that. Don't do this. That's wrong. You shouldn't do that. So there was a constant disapproval of my entire being rather than a specific behavior. And so when a child has to hide parts of his or her natural self in order to be accepted, in order, you know, for his needs to be accepted, for his joy, for his sorrow, for his fears, mistakes, and so on to be accepted, then that can bring about an enormous amount of shame. That's kind of how shame develops within us. And also when our boundaries are violated, this happened over and over again. You know, I was forced to do things that I didn't feel comfortable doing, whether it was kissing an auntie or an uncle on the cheek, because that's kind of what was expected, you know, even though I didn't want to, or washing my dad's feet because he felt tired and in need of a foot massage. And so for a child, maintaining that relationship with the parent is how they feel connected. And connection is really important for our nervous system, especially as children, because that's how we can feel that we're safe. You know, even though we may not be in the best environment, it's our only way of feeling that we belong and that we can somehow survive the world. And so the way to maintain that relationship is to give in to anything that the parent literally asks. And that's kind of what happened. My boundaries were violated. And when children feel like they have no sense of boundaries, no privacy, you know, I remember once even having my journal, you know, my journal was read by my mom. And there was a couple of other incidents. There was actually quite a few of them that I don't necessarily want to go into um, detail about in this podcast. But just you get the picture, right? Even when events like birthdays or gifts that are actually important to children was treated with a form of indifference. Like sometimes I had, I didn't always have a birthday that was celebrated because of the challenges that we were faced with. I also felt quite different from others in my world, you know, there was, because my parents were immigrants, because there was the experience of racial minority in the country that we moved to, the experience of poverty, the experience of language barriers, all of these things made me feel that I'm different to others. And so as soon as I reached, I think it was the age of 19 or 20, I started to create stories about my background that were not true because of this enormous sense of shame that I felt. I dyed my hair blonde. I'm naturally a brunette. And I would make up stories about my family and my family of origin because there was so much shame around what I'd been through and who I was. And I also felt that my parents were quite flawed in comparison to other families or other family members, you know, because of their challenges as I was healing from my own trauma. Couldn't really express my feelings about the impact of those differences. Even times when trust was broken, 
And that happened repeatedly where something was promised and it wasn't delivered. So when you feel worthless or unloved or unimportant as a child, because of a learning disability, because of inappropriate um, clothes compared to your peers, having an incapable parent or any kind of things, right? Then you start to develop this sense of shame around who you are. Even when you're consistently blamed for your actions and emotional state, you know, because your parents are kind of holding you to these unrealistic expectations that you can never meet. I know that was the case for me with my mom. It was just like I would never be what she wanted me to be because there was a constant projection of her own issues. You know, why aren't you like your cousins? You need to be like your cousins. Look at this person. Look at that person's child. In many ways, disgust was a way of disciplining. So the child ends up feeling that their entire being is bad and they're they're never, ever going to be good enough. And so through feelings of shame, we start to experience these triggers again and again all through our adult lives. We start to experience a profound lack of self-esteem, high levels of self-criticism that come back every time something doesn't work out as we expected or wanted it to. There's depression, there's anxiety, there's isolation and loneliness. There's the difficulty to maintain intimate relationships and kind of reaching more for superficial relationships than intimate ones. Frequently blaming yourself, blaming others, noticing their faults, focusing on what's not right with them. These perfectionistic tendencies that I see a lot in my clients with TMS and chronic pain. These are all out of fear to avoid shame. That's self-sabotage, that self-condemnation, that becoming numb or spacing out and kind of feeling disconnected from our feelings and emotions. All of this comes from shame. But the truth is, you know, what I came to realize through my own healing journey is that shame is not our true identity. Shame is pretty much driven by the ego. It's a false notion of who we think we are. It's a learned belief about ourselves and how we perceive ourselves. We are not shame. And that's why I really want to talk about this because the more shame is unrecognized, the more powerful it becomes. If shame isn't dealt with, it can literally ruin and run our lives. And so to deal with it, we have to first see it for what it is and often counseling psychotherapy is really important when it comes to this stuff because that's where you can explore this stuff in a in a safe place and also get challenged by your therapist uh, when necessary and when required to overcome them we can heal shame yeah as and when we come to really recognize and understand that our true nature is separate from our faulty narratives and beliefs about ourselves We are not what happened to us in our childhood. We are not the trauma narratives. But in order for us to move away from the trauma narratives, we have to first understand them and process them so they no longer have unconscious power over us. Some of the questions that I encourage you guys to explore, if you can resonate with what I'm sharing in this podcast, is what triggers my shame? What are the many faces of my shame? How does it even look, right? How do I experience a shame attack and lash out in anger or rage 
and implode with like these really painful feelings of self-criticism. How can I get through that? What helps me come back to this state of feeling okay and feeling safe? Because these things are incredibly important. And it takes a lot of courage because it's not until we look at our most painful beliefs and feelings that we can realize the truth about ourselves. We start to realize that we're not actually bad. What happened is not our fault. And that fundamentally, we are lovable, acceptable human beings who are here to learn incredible things and give back some incredible love. The truth is that our parents did their best, the best they knew how. They too were victims of their own traumas and their own history. Hurt people hurt people, and traumatized people traumatize people. So... I really want to steer away from any kind of blame. For me personally, I have gone through the process of forgiveness and healing with my own parents and have a lot of compassion for what they went through and why they made the decisions they made and reacted the way they did and so on because I just understand how a traumatized body functions. And what actually happens to a person when they're chronically in a state of fight, flight, and freeze. I also understand the effects of culture and cultural expectations, norms, and standards that they had to go through and that still exist to this day in our current culture. This is by no means a justification of any poor behavior, any abusive, violent behavior, not at all. In fact, the whole intention with this podcast is to bring awareness to and shed light on issues that can become incredibly harmful if we don't become aware of them and start to change them. Um, so let's move on to guilt because I want to talk a bit about guilt as well. Guilt relates to something that we have accidentally or intentionally done wrong by someone or that we think we have done wrong by them. It can act as our moral code. It isn't necessarily always bad because, it, I mean, it can be productive because even when we've done something that perhaps wasn't um, a good thing for us or for somebody else, you know, guilt helps us realize that we need to make a different choice in the future, that perhaps it wasn't the best decision. However, quite often guilt can be quite unhelpful because it contributes towards feelings of self-doubt, decreased self-esteem, and shame, like I just spoke about. And it can be really hard to overcome these feelings. So for those who kind of don't maybe understand guilt so well, <laughs> um, or are often confusing guilt and shame with each other, I just want to highlight that they're distinct emotions Guilt usually describes a sense of regret or responsibility that relates to something that's happened. You might feel guilty about something you did wrong or something that you feel was your fault. And even something that you haven't done, but you're kind of expected to do. This is often the case when we're dealing with a partner or a child or a parent or even a, you know, a colleague and a, a boss that has an expectation on our performance or what we need to do for them. And so when we don't do that, we start to experience feelings of guilt. It can also creep in 
when we procrastinate on a goal that we have set for ourselves and when we get caught up in self-destructive behavior. The problem with guilt is that it can grow so large that it becomes quite overpowering. We can torment ourselves and become quite depressive and negative. Often when this is the case, it really helps to think about whether the event has triggered a past memory or an incident that you're not fully conscious of because our emotions have a way of reminding us to process painful memories or where we are stuck to allow us to move ahead in a healthy way. Um, quite a lot of times the reasons that we have for feeling guilty can be illogical and flawed because of our unrealistic standards and behavior and because of what we experienced during childhood based on the values of our upbringing. I've mentioned this several times, the importance of building a stronger sense of self that is no longer influenced by these behaviors and narratives that are no longer serving us. So a few examples of that could be to ignore your own needs, to avoid upsetting others, or feeling oversensitive um, and agonized over every little thing that you say and do, becoming sometimes even incapable of doing and saying anything at all, pretty much spending most of your life people-pleasing and focusing on others as opposed to building a healthy self-esteem. So I'm going to run you guys through a couple of universal beliefs um, that are relevant for people who experience guilt quite frequently. I don't deserve to be happy. I'm responsible for my family's or my partner's happiness. There's only one right way to do things. It's bad to feel hurt and pain. It's my fault if others in my life are not happy. It's important to save face with others. I'm responsible if either positive or negative events happen to the members of my family. So how do we overcome guilt? Well, just like all strong emotions, the first important step is to recognize that you feel guilt frequently. Often this stems from low self-esteem, like I mentioned earlier. But you have to bear in mind that all emotions have energy, and if you don't deal with it, it will kind of deal with you, pretty much. So... A few questions to ask yourself and perhaps reflect on and explore is how much guilt do I feel? It's kind of rating it out of 10. What are the consequences of feeling guilt? Does feeling guilty help me accomplish what I want? What's the payoff? And what emotions do I ignore when I focus on my guilt as opposed to the other emotions that are available to me? Okay, guys, so that's it for today. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Again, um, if you have any questions with regards to today's topic or any suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to email me on sarah at mentalawakening.com.au. Please also feel free to review this podcast on Apple Podcast. And I will speak to you guys again in two weeks' time. Take care, everybody.